Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Learning to Love Yourself One Bite at a Time. And I first just want to apologize that this episode is coming a little later than expected. I went to an amazing work event last week with a bunch of people. And, you know, when there's a bunch of people, some people are sick. And I got the wonderful bug. And for the past week, I've just been resting and relaxing. And honestly, Today is the first day that I've had a sustainable speaking voice where I could sit down and record without sounding like I was dying. So before we jump in to the fourth episode, which is all about food, I, I want to share a little bit about my current life for the people that are listening that may not follow me, may not know me personally. Uh and know about any of my current journeys or travels outside my life other than this podcast. So a little over two years ago, my husband and I at the time decided to take a spur of the moment road trip. It was the spring summer of 2020, you know, that first, that, that first year (laughs) the winter was coming. (laughs) Uh, The trip Took about two and a half weeks, stopping many different places, Niagara Falls to start, the Badlands of South Dakota, Yellowstone of Wyoming, National Glacier Park in Montana, the coast of Oregon, the bridges of San Francisco, and the endless beaches of San Diego to land. We started on the East Coast, landed on the West Coast, San Diego. When we arrived, there was a a natural click into the surroundings. It wasn't long before we were making the decision to move there. Within days, we were on a plane back home, maybe not days, maybe like a week or two, to pack all of our belongings into pods and then make the trek back once more. This time a little bit more directly, we just continued driving. I don't think the car stopped once unless it was for gas. I spent the past two years there. And although my journey continued on solo, I left that beautiful place about six weeks ago. I sold all of my belongings, everything, my car, everything down to three suitcases and a backpack to start this nomadic journey, right? It started in Jackson. That's where I just was with my father for the past six weeks. And I currently find myself in St. Augustine, Florida with my sister. And if you listened to the last episode, it was all about exiting the closet, right? But for this podcast, I'm currently hiding in a closet recording this episode because it's where my sister has her office. It's a little hideaway, work oasis, void of screaming children. So on this episode, we're going to talk a lot about food, nutrition, and how that really was truly my starting point on my self-love journey because I've mentioned before, food was always my first issue, as you could say. It was my it was my first addiction. And I, I've shared that I've battled over with eating disorders, anorexia, and we'll just dive a little bit deeper into all of that, starting with my childhood and overeating. And I was always an active child. As a young age, I mean, I left the house in the morning with my friends and you mean didn't come on until the streetlights came on or like my mother was screaming 
at the base of the street for us to come home and eat. So I was always active. I was a very thin child. And it was a, after sixth grade in middle school, we moved. It was a big move. It was about an hour away from where we were living. And it was a completely new area, new school, new friends, all of the new things, right? Finishing out middle school, seventh and eighth grade, it was brand new. And I don't really think that I had the emotional capacity to deal with it or that I, I was ready for all of that. Because again, we were very, where we, where we grew up on the Cape in Massachusetts in Sandwich was just a very closed off community. Um, there wasn't a lot of diversity. It's changed much now. I mean, it's been many, many years, but there wasn't much diversity. And we moved to a city called Taunton where there was all the diversity. And although I was still active, right, when I moved, I met friends and, you know what I mean, participated in outdoor things. I was entering years of puberty, super high emotions. I remember those days very vividly. And now I have like parents' words in my head coming back to me when saying things like adults say to kids, like, you're, you're not going to worry about this when you get older. And like, it's so it's such the truth. But when you're in that moment and you're, you're high emotions as like a kid, again, going through puberty, it, that doesn't matter. Um, I was very dramatic. You could say my hormone levels were probably off the charts. And with that being said, my maladaptive coping skills, I turned to food as comfort, right? Again, at the time, it was that thing filling my self-love tank and where my addictive behaviors began to surface, right? Where, well, where I can start. I mean, I'm sure they started as an infant, but that's where I can pinpoint the start of them. Um, and if you're like, if I was going to eat chips, I was going to eat the whole bag. It was never enough. I always wanted more. Many times I would eat to the point my belly would feel like it was going to explode. And at that moment, I would feel complete and only at that moment. And it was at this time I was also coming to the conclusion that I was gay, fully gay, fully grasping it, right? Coming to that realization. And this would be my life throughout seventh grade until the end of freshman year. So I would top the charts at about 200, 210 pounds. And for an individual that was not fully grown. It didn't really sit well with my body. I mean, I'm 185 pounds now and look completely different than when I was going into early high school years and freshman year of high school. I also went through my goth phase as a lot of people have. And I mean, full goth phase. It was literally overnight. I went from wearing what was called preppy clothes to massive pants with chains, fishnets, and black tees from the old Hot Topic not the version of Hot Topic they have today. I remember being so scared <laughs> to walk into that store because it was just so dark, right? It was a, if you know, if you've been around long enough, like I have, you know that Hot Topic wasn't as light and airy as it is today. Um, I mean, plus the massive clothes would hide my body in a way that made me feel more comfortable with myself. This was also the era where I pierced everything I could on my body. It started with my tongue and also color my hair, all sorts of different crazy colors. And we'll just say, let's call this my year of my first identity crisis because that's what it was. 
it only lasted a year and it only started because someone told me that I couldn't wear preppy clothes and have blue hair, right? So freshman year of high school, I was being told that I couldn't have blue hair and wear preppy clothes. And I mean like jeans and a button down. And I think I was probably wearing like baby blue lugs, if you remember what those are. So instead of paving my own way, right, I was still a child. I caved to the public eye and went full on looking I wanted to kill small animals. So the spring, summertime of that year, I decided I would take control. Well, you know, the only control that I thought that I had. In fact, now knowing, right, all control is just an illusion, but I was young. I figured the only way I would be the appropriate skinny gay was if I just stopped eating. Making myself throw up wasn't appeasing to me. And besides, I read many studies that it would rot my teeth and I didn't want that to happen. I take pride in my teeth and that just was a no-go for me. Uh, but I did, I did research it. My diet would consist of very little. I would eat for show. Like if I went to my father's house, just to assure people that me losing 60 pounds in two months was done in a healthy way. And my favorite go-to meal was lettuce. Yep. Lettuce, better yet, lettuce with mustard on it. That's about the most I would eat. Again, unless it was for show. If I was craving something, it would be lettuce. And the mustard would be a treat. Um, and uh, many times I would chew food and spit it out. I would do that often. The mind works in crazy ways, right? And we'll get more into the mind. I would actually think I was tricking my body into being full by chewing food and spitting it out. It worked, though. So looking back even early on, I knew I could train my mind. In fact, that's all what learned behaviors and thoughts are. If we look at the small parts of ourselves and we see that this is the kind of thing in which it just, a lot, just loves to wallow, the small self glorifies in how miserable life is, how tough luck is how rotten our experiences have been, and how mean people have been to us. But we pay a big price when we listen to this set of programs. The corollary is obviously true. If our mind, by its decision, has the power to make negative things happen in our life, then it has equal power in the opposite, positive direction. We can choose all over again. This time we can choose the positive. We can cancel the old programs, and we can do that by beginning to relinquish the gratification we were getting out of negative payoffs. Quick little snippet from David Hawkins' book, Letting Go. So I lost my 60 pounds, and while I was at the lowest weight I had been in a while, I was 140 pounds soaking wet. I wore a size 28 jeans and you could feel my bones through my clothes. And again, like I said, I'm 80, 185 pounds right now with a 28 inch waist. So yeah, I was very, very, very thin, but I felt good initially, right? I also became very active during this time. And what I meant by I felt, I felt good is 
where I was weight wise and health wise, like wasn't healthy. Also not eating for two months to lose 60 pounds was also not healthy, but my body felt good with that weight off. I also was starting to get very active again. This would be the first time that I would enter the gym. I liked to run. Running felt safe in a world full of clanking weights that I at this time knew nothing about. I remember going into gyms and like, that's like one reason why I liked personal training was, was taking people into gyms that they were scared of, right? Because, you know, I mean, the big men and women lifting heavy, heavy weights are super, super scary and intimidating. And while some of them are assholes, right? Anyone can be an asshole. Most people just want to encourage and educate where they can. So I, I love breaking that barrier down for people because I had someone do it for me and I did it for myself. But at this time, I would just go straight to the treadmill. I look at the weight room and I'd just be like, nope, not today. And I would just run. And as a kid, I wasn't a fast runner, right? But now I'm 140 pounds and I'm quick as lightning. Um, it was something that I enjoyed. It was something that I was able to get good at. It was something that was measurable that I could always be working on. And I remember like as a younger child, they'd have those physical ability tests, right? And we were all forced to run a mile and be timed. And if we fit into their boxes, we were considered healthy. And if we didn't, we were not. And like I said, that back then I was slow. I saved all of my physical abilities for adulthood. That's for sure. And through all of my trials, the fastest mile I ever clocked as a child was probably like 15 plus minutes when I was 140 pounds and all I was doing was running. My fastest mile was 515, which was insane. And I also just want to say I did start eating again. So once that 60 pounds was gone, right? Again, that was the plan for me all along. Again, not healthy. Dropped six pounds because 140 sounded like a good number at the time. I started introducing food back in slowly. And I look back now and think, if I had the knowledge, right? If I have the knowledge that I have now, like talking about these issues at a young age is required. And to think that they, they don't have, I mean, I know that there's health classes and I know that there's, there's other means of guidance, guidance counselors, but like really deep diving into nutrition at a very young age could change the trajectory for many, many people, right? If that was something that was taught in school. So I am wholeheartedly on board for all of these issues, food issues, body issues being talked about with children as soon as they can understand, you mean this from that. The next events on the timeline that she'd be depicted are my eating habits through active addiction, right? Through active opioid addiction and everything else that I spent my 20s doing. After high school, I spent many days just eating to survive. And what I mean by that is my 20s consisted a lot of on again, off again, drug addiction, there were solid years in there too of straight using and running amok. All bets definitely go out the window when you're eating one meal a day. 
Many times that one meal would be 99 cent pizza from Cumberland Farms. And when I you had a little extra money, I would get two, right? Those those were the good days for me. Getting two slices of 99 cent pizza. Those were good days. Closer to the end of these times is where the spark for a better relationship with my with food would begin. I mean, it had been there before. I knew my relationship with food and the scale were terrible. But I was living in times where that wasn't the main concern. When you get clean, you actually have the energy and ability to care about those things. So the big bang, right? What what set off <coughs> excuse me, the change, the momentum for me? Six years ago, I was introduced to a health and wellness company through a friend and coworker. I figured I need to give something new a try, and I did, and it worked. The outcome was far greater than what I initially anticipated. At the time, I was looking to drop a few pounds, and I did. I think I actually lost 20 pounds in the first 30 days. But most importantly, I lit up, and my body truly appreciated the love. And at the end of the day, there are many ways to achieve a fulfilling way of eating. This isn't a coercion to one specific way or the other. This is just my story and what worked for me. And the great thing is that there are tons of things that can work for you. It's just putting in the time and energy to figure out what that is, right? That's what I needed to do. That's what I not needed to. That's what I was required to do to progress forward with this. And like the system that I started with was laid out perfectly. It had a schedule that was easy to follow because at the time I required it. I required starting from scratch with my whole belief system. And I knew that. And that's why I said yes to this. If I wanted to change, I had to allow change to come into my life, right? There's that big, bad, scary word, change, where people just go into fight or flight mode because something is about to change There's unknown variables that are about to shift. And I get it. It can be scary because it's the unknown. That's the great thing about it, though. It's the unknown, and you're not going to know more things unless you step into that, unless you lean into that. So if you're listening to this, right, and you're, you're someone that requires a change or something's hitting home with you, like, oh, me too, right, that, that I, a lot of this story resonates with me, then you're going to require leaning into change and leaning in to something new because obviously what you've been doing, what I was doing for years and years and years was not working. It wasn't long before I... I could feel the difference in my body. For the first time ever, my body felt a completeness it hadn't felt in a long time. My body began to change and I wasn't forcing anything. I wasn't starving myself and weighing myself multiple times a day. There was a schedule for that, but everything started to shift naturally with ease. This was my first or first of many, right? Maybe it was my second aha moment. The awareness and difference of feeling your body versus just feeding it, right? My whole entire life, 
I was just feeding my body because I was bored, because I was super emotional, because I wasn't emotional. You know what I mean? I We live in a culture where we eat to celebrate. We eat to do everything. So I was just feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. I didn't care what was going in it. It was just sustenance, right? So this was the first difference of, of me acknowledging, right? Having the awareness of fueling my body, not have, not having the need to, you know what I mean? Eat until I want to pass out, eat enough of the right things to feel good, right? Your energy levels go through the fucking roof. Uh, and it, it was also just very helpful that it was convenient. It worked with my life, not against it. That was the best part, flexibility when I required it. I mean, that is life and life is not the same every single day. And this is where my mindset began to shift. So six years ago, found this amazing program and company. I'm still affiliated with them. I still use the products because why the fuck would I stop? using and taking supplements, products, whatever you want to call them, right? Something that I add into eating. I still eat real food. I eat all the food. But like, why would I ever stop when I found something that had lit me the fuck up? Why would I stop? So I haven't. (laughs) And I sit here today. And a lot can be corrected and adjusted in our bodies when it comes to nutrition. We can also manipulate numbers daily and achieve some pretty incredible results. Our bodies are fucking amazing things. Starting that system obviously changed my life in too many ways that I can I can't even count them all. But with feeling better, I got back into the gym world. And by this time, I had some years under my belt of learning the ropes. I was no longer scared of weights. Um, I've had some great people along the way take me under their wing. Um, you know what I mean? Show me how to do things now. Flash forward. I'm a personal trainer showing people how to do that as well. And with all of that knowledge of the gym and now nutrition, I thought it would be the next right step to step into the bodybuilding world. Now, stepping in to the bodybuilding world, the competing world, looking back really wasn't my dream ever. It was something that someone kind of just said, you should do this. And being the person that I am and just loving to do all of the things and loving to think that I have control was like, sure. This sounds like a great idea. So I would enter the extreme body manipulation world and I made the decision to step on stage for a classic physique competition. And in these years is where I would learn a shit ton about my body and loving it unconditionally. If you live the lifestyle, I applaud you. And if you have ever done it in the past, I applaud you. But in the end, it just wasn't for me. Comp lifestyle, if you know anything about it, can be tough. That was for me. (laughs) And at many times, 
past behaviors definitely felt triggered in a different way. I had found right the control that I shouldn't have or ever hold on to because it's fake. Every ounce of food was calculated. There was very little wiggle room, especially when you got closer to the end goal. And I will have to say, like, I, again, I learned a lot from these years, but a lot from banging my head against the wall. But like years later, I don't compete anymore now. Uh, I I mean, I still weigh food because it's just something that works for me. I still count macros because it's something that works for me and it's super, super flexible. Um, Again, it just goes into there's many different ways and there's many different things that I learned along this journey, right, that that I kept and threw away what didn't work for me. But with the comp mindset, you're constantly looking at yourself in the mirror and taking progress photos. You know, this would determine if what you had been doing for the past few weeks was working. I became a critiquing master. Something always needed to be bigger or leaner. I was either gaining weight and bulking or losing weight and leaning out. It was a constant up and down, physically and mentally. It takes a very strong-minded person to succeed. And I have that. I've always had that. If you give me a schedule to follow, I can follow it to a T, and that is a strength for sure. But the growth for me was finding a softness to that. There came a point where the attachment to what my physical body was very strong. It's all I thought about. Everything was decided and determined by what I was attempting to achieve in those months with my body. And for me, it was through exhaustion and injury that I began to soften. Again, I am stubborn as hell. But that doesn't obviously require being your story. It was only in the past year achieving a firmer connection to non-attachment that I truly stepped into full self-love of my body and where it is and where it's supposed to be. I will always be healthy-minded. That's forever in my blood, and that's a good thing. I enjoy feeling good. I enjoy looking good, too, but my body doesn't require being a specific way because I'm attached to how I will feel after I achieve that. We know that drill. I will feel this way after this or after that. I will be happy once I'm a millionaire, right? Once I have a million dollars, I'll be happy. That's attachment. We are attached to the outcome so hard that we are putting emotional expectations on the results. Attachments and expectations just set us up. So when I don't become a millionaire in this time frame, I'm going to be upset and angry at myself for not achieving the desired outcome. It doesn't work. Those are very low vibing emotions. I stopped waiting for more visible abs, larger muscles, and a perfect physique to love me. I stopped waiting to love myself at all. Love can be chosen just like anger, guilt, and shame. A response of anger was learned. We weren't born angry beings. We didn't come out of the womb like, why you pull me out? (laughs) 
put me back in. Like we're not, we didn't, we weren't put on this earth to be angry beings. And if love was lost along the way, it can be found and adopted once again. That's choice. That's our choice. If you commit to anything, commit to loving more in any way that you can. I just want to end with this, right? In a world that tells us so many different things, that we're supposed to look so many different ways based on the decade, right? Because every few years, a new body type is all the rage. The best example is back in the 90s when Jennifer Lopez... (laughs) would get hated on, right? Because of her big butt, her big old booty, her Hispanic blood booty. It would be cropped. It would be edited in photo shoots because it just wasn't allowed, right? It wasn't It wasn't pretty back then. And now everybody wants a bigger butt. Males, females killing themselves in the gym, growing a booty. And like, I'm... An ass man, I have a nice butt. I've done a lot of work on my butt. I appreciate a good butt because I know the work that is required to achieving such a booty. So it just goes to show you that things change with time, right? The great thing about us humans is that we all look different. And if we all looked cookie cutter, like what fucking fun would that be? At the end of the day, health is wealth. So it's if you're in a state of unhealthiness, right? Or if you're in a state or you're in a stage of change where you're you're looking for something to to make you feel better. You're looking for something to light yourself up like I found 6 years ago. Just go out and find it. Try different things. Find I mean, it's only through trial and error that you'll find what works for your body and what doesn't. That's that's the only answer. It's never one size fits all. And I want to close out with that, the quote from David Hawkins in Letting Go One More Time. And if you didn't listen the first time around, I want you to hear every single word. If we look at the small part of ourselves, we will see that this is the kind of thing in which it just loves to wallow. The small self glorifies in how miserable life is, how tough luck is how rotten our experiences have been and how mean people have been to us. But we pay a big price when we listen to this set of programs. The corollary is obviously true. If our mind, by its decision, has the power to make negative things happen in our life, then it has equal power in the opposite positive direction. We can choose all over again. This time we can choose the positive. We can cancel out the old programs And we can do that by beginning to relinquish the gratifications we were getting out of the negative payoffs. So if you're like me, raised in a family with not the best nutrition guidance, right? I'm not, I don't, I don't put blame on my family that I was an overweight kid, right? I put blame on the system is because 
we should have a little more education on that. But I can't go back and be like, I blame my my parents for me being overweight, right? I ultimately had to take the control. And there's that word control again, the illusion of control. I needed to take, I needed to step into my power. I needed to regain my power as a human being, right? To get my body to peak performing condition. And again, that's going to look different for everyone. But if I can wake up in the morning, like I have for the past many years, fuel my body right, right for Andrew, not right for you listening to this, and and feel fucking amazing from sunrise to sunset from when I wake up till I hit my head on that pillow, I'm only going to make small, minute changes to that. Because what I have found was worth the years and years and years of hitting my head against the wall. 